Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl Nakia and welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast. Hey guys, how often do we wake up in the morning and think about, oh, what am I going to eat today? Oh, I should go to the gym. I should be getting more sleep. All these things about the obsession of our bodies and how we should look and what we should be doing in order to look better. But why don't we care just as much about the products that we apply to our skin? And for me, skincare has been on the top of my to-do list and my vision board and being fearless. And so I found a product called Folane. It's a clean beauty retailer with a curated selection of the highest performing, safest, and 100% non-toxic products. This beauty brand has truly changed my life. So one of my favorite products from Folane is the Clean Essentials Kit. It's the perfect getaway for anyone looking to explore clean beauty and majorly detox their daily routine. And who doesn't want to have a new daily routine that's going to produce clean and clear beauty? It's 100% non-toxic, vegan and cruelty-free, and suitable for all skin types. This kit is completely safe to use during pregnancy. So if you're planning to have kids or you are currently pregnant, this is great to have in your back pocket. So what's inside the kit is that it has non-toxic skin essentials, including a travel pouch. So it's TSA approved and it's perfect for holiday travel, travel outside of the country, or even if you're just going to work every day and you want to just cleanse your face and you get yucky from just going to the gym during lunch. This is a perfect product to have with you. So you have four products that's included. You have the cleanser, OC Ocean Cleanser. It includes sea minerals and algae detoxifies skin. You have the toner, ND Lee COQ. 10 toner. It balances the pH and preps the skin for moisturizer. And then the great moisturizer, Ursa Major Golden Hour Recovery Cream, lightweight hydration, and it smells amazing, guys. And then, of course, as an added bonus, the soap, Folane Refillable Hand and Body Soap. Everywhere soap, great for travel. And who doesn't like to have those four essentials on them at all times? And let me tell you, I used it this morning, and guys, my skin has felt hydrated, clean, just glowing. I mean, it's fall and it's so dry outside. Who doesn't like to have products that is going to keep their skin moisturized all day long? So with that being said, the great thing is that Folane is now offering my listeners an exclusive discount on this clean essentials kit. For only $22, that's over 50% off, guys. Try the Clean Essentials Kit today. Go to F-O-L-L-A-I-N.com, search Clean Essentials Kit, and enter Fearless Kia at checkout for free shipping. Again, that's F-O-L-L-A-I-N.com. Make sure you search for the Clean Essentials Kit. When you're getting ready to check out, enter my promo code, Fearless Kia, for free shipping. Guys, I'm so excited for you to try this product. It's amazing. It's going to leave your skin looking fearless. With that being said, thank you so much, Folane, for sponsoring this week's episode. Now let's get into today's show. Hey, everyone. What's up? It's your girl, Fearless Kia. Welcome to another Fearless Friday. So this week's lesson of the week is gratitude. I recently went on a trip to Cuba, and I just realized how grateful I am 
to be able to, one, experience a country like Cuba, which was not available to a lot of American citizens for years, but also to appreciate uh, human connection experiences, not often at you're really forced to disconnect. And so to be able to experience a different culture with amongst my line sisters, for those who don't know, I'm a Delta. And it was our 10 year anniversary. So to be able to go down there and really cultivate our bonds, shed tears, memories, laughter, it was just a grateful experience for me to be like, you know what, I can't believe, you know, we're 10 years in and I'm able to experience this in a different country. So that is this week's lesson. Be grateful for the things that you have around you, whether it's a roof over your head, food on your table, you know, income coming in, even though it may not be exactly what you want, just be grateful for what you have because there's a lot of people who don't have what you have. And with that being said, we will get into this week's podcast guest. So this week's guest has been in the fashion and beauty industry for about 10 years, working at various companies, including KCD, Victoria's Secret, Essence, HL Group, Ebony, Gilt, and most recently, BET. While at BET, as the digital beauty editor, she oversaw news coverage and creating original content for the new style vertical. Additionally, she writes original beauty pieces for notable digital publications, including the Comfortor, Stylecaster, Allure, Self, Teen Vogue, Man Repeller, and many others. Using her natural gift for editorial storytelling, she has now taken a leap of faith into working as a freelance beauty writer and having developed brand voices for starting companies including Choosy, Co-Edition, Sweat Wealth, and Libertaire. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Fearless Kia podcast, Janelle Hickman. Hi, thanks for having me. I hope I pronounced all those brands yes, right. You did. I was like, <laughs> girl, give me if I don't get it right. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. I usually like to start out the episode going right in and asking my guests, what is your deepest fear? Yes. So I thought about this for a really long time. I had a conversation with a friend on my way walking here, and I decided my biggest fear is not allowing myself to enjoy the moments I worked so hard to create. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Do you feel like if you start to congratulate those moments that it devalues the accomplishment? Kind of. I think I... I'm a self-proclaimed workhorse. I'm one of the person who like likes to do the work. And I think we've shifted into a culture where you don't only have to do the work, but you also have to show that you're doing the work. And mm. you also have to tell people the, about the work you're doing. So I'm just so focused on the next. I never focus on the now. Oh, wow. I'm very like, okay, I did this. Checked off. What's next? What's next? What's next? And I think... I don't allow myself to be like, damn, like you did that or you got what you wanted or you, you know, quit your job and X, Y, Z. I'm so focused on like, what does the next six months look like or what does the next year look like? It could also be like a fear of comfortability of being like, oh, well, I've accomplished. I'm successful there. And it's like, no, there's still so much to go. So maybe that's also the thought process there, too. Like, I think I had a um, guest, Mark uh, Clinton on and he was saying the same thing. Like, I don't even... He said he doesn't feel comfortable congratulating because he hasn't really accomplished much Mm -hmm. yet, even though to other people it seems like he's accomplished so much. So it's so interesting you say that. Do you um, feel like there are other outside factors that impact that fear as well, whether it be um, 
what other people are doing as far as like their accomplishments mm-hmm. or just other outside factors in general that impact that fear of you just not celebrating. Because a lot of people in New York celebrate a lot of stuff. Let's I know. Completely they honest. They love to celebrate. They like, celebrate everything. You know, like which is nothing wrong. Celebrate your small wins. Celebrate yourself. Okay, celebrate yourself. <laughs> but is it is there like that? Is there an anxiety or pressure to feel like you have to do that? You know. Yeah, I think. What's, like, the right way to put it? You want to celebrate yourself, but you want to celebrate yourself for something that means something. Mm. And I think a lot of times it's all the small work that you don't see behind the scenes. So it's, like, people, like, you know, I launched a website. I want to have a launch party. But it's, like, shouldn't we have a launch party once the website gets to the next phase or, you know? But for some people, they do need the launch party in the beginning because it will keep the momentum of what they're doing, Mm. right? For me, I like to lay the groundwork and I don't like to tell too many people about like what I'm doing or how I'm doing it until I feel comfortable enough to talk about it. But honestly, by the time it's happening, it's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then it's like too late to celebrate. It's not it's never too late to celebrate, but it's like wrapping up. Yeah. So people be like, Oh, I didn't know you wrote for this place or I didn't know you did this. I'm like, Yeah, it's done now. And like, okay, like what does that mean though? And I'm like, it's finished. Because I'm so, I don't know, I just want to keep pushing myself forward. But in that realm, I have to enjoy what's happening. And I have to yeah. not focus so much on the next chapter all the time. Do you or do you fear that, like, if you tell people in that process that it takes away kind a little of, bit? Or, like, I'll jinx myself yeah. a little. Or I just, to be honest, I care a lot about a people's, a lot about a people's opinions. But at the same time, I don't. Mm. And I don't want to know what you think about something because I'd rather decide it for myself. Wow. Because I also think a lot of times your experience is going to be very different. So even when people ask me about like, oh, you worked at so-and-so, what was the vibe like? And I'm like, this was my experience. Your experience will likely be very different or it could be very similar. But I also remind myself it's what you go in anticipating. So if you anticipate a horrible work-life balance and you're going to be there until midnight, you probably will be. If you go in there like, listen, I leave at 4.30 because I have X, Y, and Z to do, that's going to be your experience. (laughs) So I don't like to influence, I don't want people to influence me to have a preconceived notion of someplace, and I definitely don't want to influence others too much about what they can expect. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I think people um, want insight into what it's like to work at a company or to do a certain role, and it's like, this is a unique, you know, path for me and it may not be similar for you. And so mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, have your expectations high and it may be something completely different. I can tell you about the people mm-hmm. and like, you know, maybe this is this person's personality or how they like things done or, you know, yeah. what I've seen from um, a responsibility standpoint. But like you said, that experience is going to be something completely, completely different. And it also depends on the place you are in your life. Like, there have been places where, you know, maybe the work environment was awful, but I was super happy in my personal life, so I just, like, didn't notice. Like, I was like, this is great! Right! Or, you know, maybe I wasn't so happy in, like, other areas of my life, and I just had a negative attitude all around. So it's like, you know, it could it probably wasn't that bad, but it's like, I was like, ugh, they're asking me this, and they want this, and they want that, and it's like, or they're just asking you to do your job, girl. Like, maybe it wasn't... I was like, they want so much of me. And it's like, 
Not really. Right. Speaking, so we're speaking about work and career, and I would love to delve into that. Um, so how did you end up in New York, and how did you know that you wanted to be in the, the fashion and beauty industry? Yeah. Um, so there's a very long-winded version of the story, but I'll tell the short one. My mom was a flight attendant. Okay. And she's also a model, and I just, like, was really obsessed with just, like, her lifestyle, and, like, she'd just be everywhere. And she was based out of New York, um, so that's when her flight would start, technically. So she'd fly from Minnesota to New York. That's when her path would start. So she had an apartment with other flight attendants in New York, and I'd, like, kind of get to hang out, um for a little bit like before her trips and like go shopping and whatever so we'd always come during labor day weekend and i'd always have to go to school the next day and i was devastated (laughs) so anyone who knows me knows that i love the caribbean day parade it makes me so happy because i never got to be here and i live right around the corner (laughs) so i'm always on the parkway getting festival and whatnot but that's neither here nor there so there was a um a show like, on, like, one of those public access channels, and they're showing, like, behind the scenes at Fashion Week. Mm. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I don't remember how old I was. Like, I was probably, like, in maybe, like, elementary school, maybe junior high, but I was just like, this is it. And I knew I liked to write. I had a school teacher who really encouraged me to write. Um, and it kind of took off from there. So... Back at home, I'm from Minnesota, I took, like, an internship at a newspaper that had, like, it wasn't fashion-y at all, it wasn't, I was, like, writing about, like, egg farmers, but I knew I had to, like, take those little steps right. to get where I needed to go, but then once I got to college, I went to Hampton University, I knew that I needed an internship, and I needed to write for the newspaper and do all these things, um, so I just kind of really applied myself to make sure, like, I worked at notable publications, so my first internship was at WWD which was really eye-opening because that kind of taught me that I could be a stylist or I could be um, a market editor or I could be a photographer. Um, And then from there, I was just like, this is my path. and never kind of looked back. Yeah. And so how was it for you um, in navigating that industry, right? So we talk about, we think about diversity in the fashion Mm -hmm. and beauty industry, particularly also within publications. How has it been for you to navigate that industry and have you seen progression happen over your experiences um, throughout the companies that you worked at? So I think I was probably a little naive in the beginning because I didn't have any connections. So maybe if someone was like nasty or mean to me, I just thought it was like because like my mom or my dad wasn't like a someone like I didn't. I don't even think I probably connected like it could have been because I was black or it could have been because I was a female. Like I didn't, I don't know, never clicked. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to meet an editor. Like actually there are a few editors on the W side who are black. So early on I was just like, oh, there's fabulous black girls who are like killing it on this side. Um, So I kind of like latched onto them. They definitely looked out for me in my career. Um, But in terms of diversity, I think because I grew up in Minnesota, I was really used to being the only one. Right. But the difference about being the only one in Minnesota was that I grew up with a lot of those kids. I never felt other. Like, it's like I knew I was black. I knew I was different. But they never f- made me feel like, they're like, oh, that's, J- that's Janelle. Right. Um, it wasn't until high school that I had, like, a weird situation where someone called me, like, the N-word. And, like, my white best friend flipped Mm, out mm. you want to talk about a white girl who's lit that's just like, 
<laughs> not today. Oh, she my God. She got so furious. And even, like, you know how you try to self-explain and just like, oh, it's okay. And she's like, it's actually it's not, not okay. okay. It's not. She's like, we're at this lake house and it's not okay. And right. Like, we can go. <laughs> um, so there's actually no nasty work experiences in terms of, like, racial things. Definitely feel like people try to pull rank more than anything. Right. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, there's definitely not enough of us there by any means Mm. but i think people were kind of there in different places if that makes sense right in different way in different in different facets facets and different within it yeah i do remember it's tough because it's like at first you'd see like the only black people would be like in the mail room and that's like never fun but Mm. then occasionally it's like you'd see an editor you'd see a freelancer so there'd be like sprinkles of hope to be like okay i can at least accelerate to a different stage of my career yeah. because of my skin color yeah what even about covering different beauty products now right this change where we have a lot more um people of color as uh, owners of their mm-hmm. own lines or that's fashion and as well as beauty products how has that changed when you're writing on beauty or fashion is it now that you have these different diverse products that are coming out is it has it expanded your you know palette and your skill set of things that you like to write on versus maybe back when you were interning versus now so i think the one thing i really tried hard to do is i always write from the lens of a black woman okay um so even if i write for a quote-unquote like white or mainstream publication i always made sure that if another person read this they could be like oh a black girl wrote this like right She's black. Um, So whether that's including products that I know we like or that have worked for us or including experts, like that's really been my end to make sure that, you know, if I do, even if I do a color story, like the best way to maintain your blonde, if I interview five experts, I want two of them, two to three of them to be of color because it's like people always forget we have to know how to do everything. White people don't. Right. You know, like white people don't have to know how to black do black hair. Black people have to know how to do white people's hair. So it's like mm-hmm. they can speak on these topics and they're so well-versed. Um, so to just make sure the inclusion's there, to make sure that, you know, if you happen to land on a website, you feel like, okay, I'm seen and yeah. I'm not ignored and this topic relates to me. I think also I had the opportunity to work at like three notable African-American right. publications. It's like I was at BT, I was at Ebony, and I was at Essence. So that also helped me build a repertoire of experts and people and products and brands to kind of rely on to. And it's like I just take them with me everywhere I go. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's good to have that versatility, too. You spoke a lot about just, like, having the versatility to be, like, I'm always going to speak from my lens mm-hmm. and, like, my voice. And it's good to even talk about that because I think sometimes you get into these white corporate companies and you feel like you have to write to a certain brand audience you know that they already have established versus understanding that you know you're here to bring something different Mm -hmm. than what they have and a lot of people don't know that so early on when you're in the game you're just like hustle hard and like do what you think is required in order to, to make it right so I wanted to also chat with you about any sacrifices that you feel like you made during your time. Not that you're not in the industry. <laughs> you're still in the industry. But I'm saying during your time in corporate America because you recently decided to take a leap of faith and mm-hmm. be a freelance writer within the industry. And so let's talk about, you know, that experience of saying I'm doing this full time for myself and and other sacrifices that you may have made along the way to get to this point. Right. 
I think time. Time is the biggest sacrifice you make in corporate America because you are literally chained someplace <laughs> for a specific amount of time and you're not really doing much, you know? Even yeah. if you think about your day, like you get to work at nine. By the time you get your act together, it's 10 o'clock. Then it's like, oh, let's go get coffee. And then it's like lunch. You're not really doing things versus as a freelancer, every minute is worth money. Yeah, It's either a billable hour Come or on. it's, you know, it's, if it's a flat rate, I, I'm always computing. I'm like, okay, well, if I spent 60 minutes here, how much does that mean? And, like, what's my rate? Or if I accepted a flat rate for something and then it takes me more hours than I think, I was like, oh, my God, I paid myself $8 an hour. Like, what am I doing here? So time, I think, is the biggest sacrifice you make in corporate America. Um, but I think in terms of leap of faith, BT is probably what pushed me to the next level because I realized how much I could do in a short amount of time. Wow. Because we had a lot of stories going live. Um, so you had to write things really quick. You had to kind of pick your battles. Um, so you couldn't just be like, oh, like, I'm going to leisurely write this news story. They're like, where is it? This needs to go up now. So I think that also taught me, like, okay, even if I worked for four hours a day, mm-hmm. I could bang out X amount of stories, which means if I was getting paid the rate I wanted, I could make X amount of dollars and I only have to work four to four hours a day. So that was kind of the factor of like, I can not even make more money, but it's like, I can make my time more valuable and probably earn the same amount. I'm always doing the math. I love budgets. I love spreadsheets. I'm always doing the math to be like, I, what I probably earn in a day, I could probably earn in like half a day right if i play my cards right right and being more intentional about your time so that's mm-hmm. what you're speaking of too like if i can be more intentional about my time then i can really set up my schedule to have more of a balance between what you enjoy and you know what pays the bills but also the other factors of your personal life that i'm sure that you want to allocate more time to that yep. you couldn't before you are 100 percent responsible for yourself Right. And that's crazy. Like, you're <laughs> responsible for every single thing you do. So paying your insurance, like, making sure you put money aside for taxes, pitching yourself, you know, building relationships, right. hitting your deadlines. There's no one. It's like, yes, I answer to many people because I have different editors. But the same token, like, they're not going to be like, it's noon. Did you start on your story yet? They just expect you to turn it in at a certain time. So that you have to be really self-disciplined in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you take a day off or if you go on vacation, you're not making any money. So you really have to think about, is it worth it? Should I be working? And I think there's also a guilt that I feel a lot is I should be working more. That's like my biggest thing. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't like I shouldn't be taking this Pilates class at noon. I should be writing a story. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's so yeah. there's so much fear that you should always be working. And I think sometimes that pushes freelancers into taking like maybe contracts or projects that don't make sense for them because Mm -hmm. you're also nervous about like what's next because nothing's promised. Right. So it's like this month you might have a killer month and then next month it's crickets. Oh my God. And how do you stay grounded in those, you know, kind of slower months other than your, you know, you know, high season. So knock on wood, the good thing is I felt like I built, yes, let's knock, <laughs> knock on no wood. wood. <laughs> I felt like I built a lot of good relationships before I needed them. Mm. And I think that's the biggest thing for freelancers. You cannot wait until you're ready to do something to tell people what you want to do. Mm. I had to gently like, you know, I, I'm thinking I might, this is my timeline. I reached out to a lot of old contacts. I'm like, listen, if you need writers, if you need help, if you mm. need branding, if you need this, 
come May, I'm your girl. And so many people came out of the woodwork to help me. So it's like when I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have anything going on. So I'm like, oh, I have a friend. And they were speaking about someone. And you should meet Chanel. So thankfully, everything fell into place. Um, but you have to budget and balance too. So it's also not something you can just jump out the window. And it's like, I also, it probably took me like, I thought about being a freelancer for probably two years before I did it for real. Yeah. Like I was just kind of like teetering. I definitely take stories on the side when I was working full time. Um, it wasn't like a knee jerk or like last minute decision. It was something that was like pretty intentional. Um, but I think you cope by just like really making a budget and thinking about it. And also, you know, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do in the beginning. Right. And then it also teaches you to negotiate for yourself more. So I feel like a lot more empowered than I probably did six months ago or a year ago to be like, you know, if you're not offering me this amount of money or if the project doesn't fulfill these needs, I can't do it. Um, and just hoping for the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you're happy at this point in your life? I do. So I recently took an in-office job and a contract okay and it's very different for me and, I, and it was very funny when you opened up the podcast and you're talking about gratitude and being grateful I was like I need to hear this I need to get it together I was like I need to pull it together um it's different I think this also teaches me again like I have to stand up for myself so it's like maybe I don't need to be someplace four to five times a week it's like maybe I need to be someplace two days a week because you also like your time. Like yeah. it's I don't I don't know what I necessarily do on a Tuesday, but it's nice to have the option to be like, well, it's my Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I think I like you know when people talk about the Sunday scaries? Yeah. I hadn't had those since like April. Like every day was just like a new I'd literally pop up like I'm just so excited to write my it was corny. Like I was like, I'm so excited to write my stories and go to my midday class and like maybe have lunch with a friend. I was so excited. So every day kind of like flowed into one and now it's like it feels like Sunday night's like hard stop, like girl, tomorrow you gotta be someplace. Like you don't have this leisure time anymore. Right. And I was struggling with it. Like I am str like pray for me y'all <laughs> I am struggling trying to get it together again because I didn't foresee myself in an office I didn't but again it was a good opportunity I had to think about the bigger goals like I yeah. can pad my savings I can spend more time you know maybe well my goal was to take off January and February and like go to the Virgin Islands okay. and, like hang out with my parents but I might have another contract, which is fine also. Um, Are your parents from the islands? Mm-hmm. My mom's from Antigua. My dad's from Illinois. And then, because my dad's so American, they had to settle on, like, a American <laughs> island. Because he was not going to make it in. Are they in, like, St. John? Wait, is so it St. John? So, part of the three islands. So, they're in St. Croix. Okay. So, it's St. Croix, St. John, St. Thomas. And they're down there from December until... April, like the bosses they deserve to be. Yes. And I was like, I too okay. am trying to be. And my dad yes. was like, you need to work. He's like, what? He's like, you want to take time off? And I was like, he's like, you are not retired. Yes. Like me. Come he reminds on. me daily. He's like, you're actually not retired. He's like, you need to work. I feel like our generation wants to retire way earlier so than our done. parents. We're like, oh, 65. I don't think I got it in me till Mm-mm. 65 to be doing this. Y'all might get me to like 42. <laughs> If that. Like, if that. Yeah. So we talked about career. 
And more so in your personal life, have you felt like there are times, like you said earlier, there are times where you've been on at work Mm -hmm. and then your personal life is like shambles. Yes. What were those storms? You don't have to go in in depth on everything. What were those storms that you went through and how did you like come through them? How did you try to like get back on balance? Because you're never going to be 100% on balance all the time. There's like that seesaw effect where it's like one is up, one is down, but like we can get close to it that's good like what were those life storms and and how did you um move through them in order to be where you're at now where i'm not saying that you're not dealing with life storms but more so that you're you're more intentional and you're more clear and aware about your time and like how to balance the things that are happening in your life so this actually was a conversation i was having with a friend last night at dinner and i was saying one of my 2019 goals is to pour into others the way they pour into me Mm. so I feel like I have a lot of really good friends that I just do not see the way I'm supposed to but I think because I'm a freelancer I know that I have to consistently maintain relationships and some friends and sometimes even my boyfriend like just don't get it like they're like why do you have to go to dinner with this person why are you going to drink this person you never see us you don't do this but it's part of the game, you know? Like, it's also, I have to maintain these relationships because I always need to be top of mind. Like, there's so many freelancers. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of publications are closing and folding. Yeah. And, and it's like, there's a lot of good writers out there. Like, yeah. I always remind myself, I'm like, girl, get up. I was like, because there are other people who are just as good, if not better, than you out here who are freelancing. So it's not like you're this star. You have to work for it. Um, so... It's tough because some days or some weekends I feel exhausted and I feel like I have so many plans trying to catch up with people and spend quality time with them. And then some weekends I'm just like, y'all, I can't. But I think the people who belong in your life kind of get it. Like they're just Mm -hmm. like, it's not personal. And they know that if they really need me or something is going down, they can call me. I'm definitely, I am one of those people, like, if you text me, I'm going to text you back. Like, I'm not just going to be like, oh, I'm so busy. Like, (laughs) I'll get back to you. Or if you call me, like, I'll find the time to call you. Or I'll be honest enough to be like, I can't. Like, I'm like, if something's an emergency, like, let's do it. But if, like, you're at Macy's and you can't decide what silver shoe, like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the one right now. Or maybe I could be the one. Like, if this is your your true emergency right now, like, girl, FaceTime me, what shoe do you want? But... It's hard. Do you feel like some of your relate did your relationship, I guess, with your boyfriend suffered at times, um, making those kind of executive decisions in order to stay at the top of your mind for those jobs? So I can honestly say because we've been together for so long, he's the one person who's never made me feel guilty about work engagement. Come on, amen. Amen to that. And I I think the blessing in my career is that I never had to think about canceling or moving something around like he truly does not make me feel bad which is kind of crazy because I'm like I make you feel bad so it's so much stuff I'm like I was like you always and you never (laughs) but to be honest I don't know there's there's no guilt there which is nice he gets it so I there's one specific example and I was like okay like you can actually be my boyfriend when we first started (laughs) dating I worked at Victoria's Secret and there, the Serafina on 57th was, like, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were supposed to get dinner. Like, we just started, maybe we were, like, two or three months into dating. And I was supposed to finish a report for my boss. And I turned it in. I was like, okay, girl, I gotta go. My my fake boyfriend's downstairs. And she's like, okay, you tried it. <laughs> there are many edits on this. You cannot go until this is done. 
And I was two hours late to that dinner. And he waited downstairs. Come on. He was downstairs. And I thought, I was like, you can go. Like, don't worry. We can reschedule. He's like, no, I'm good. I'll just get a drink. I'll, like, hang out. And I was like, I don't know what I'm leaving upstairs. I was like, I would be here all night. And he, like, ordered dinner and chilled out and, like, waited for me. And I was just like, no one else would have done this for me. Like, I would have left me. I'd have been like, you tried it. Like, you are a mess. And who really waited for me. So I think that has been nice because he's never really trying to be my plus one to industry events. Like, he's like, I'm not going to the speedy event with you. But for the most part, if I'm like, I have a dinner, I forgot I had drinks or I need to do something, he's like, okay, see you later. That's amazing. So that's been nice. And that speaks volumes to his character mm-hmm. and, like, his intentions yeah. with you, right? Like, oh, two hours, we here. I would have left me. <laughs> <laughs> I would have left, left me. me. I'm like... Yeah, oof, two hours. I have to think, like, would I wait? If a guy had really told me he was doing, like, if the roles were reversed, yeah. right? And a guy has to, like, yo, I got to do such and work. Maybe like, if we were in Brooklyn. Like, maybe if I was close to home, but it's like, we were not anywhere midtown. near. We were Midtown <laughs> West. Who's trying to be there for two hours to no one? Right. Like, but you know what? That's God. Because he played somebody in your life who understood your lifestyle, who mm-hmm. understood what it required to be with someone like you. And you ain't have to, you know, kiss a lot of frogs. Yeah. To meet your Prince Charming. That's how I look at it, girl. <laughs> this struggle in New York is real. Okay, people. <laughs> Just gotta say. It is real. Um, but I wanted to ask you about, uh, outside of your relationship, what are some other personal goals that you're striving to accomplish in your life? And how are you acting, actively acting upon them? Yeah. Okay, goals. Let's think. One of them is definitely to be more mindful. Like, I definitely need to, kind of what we were talking about earlier, just take a step back. I'm so intense sometimes. I'm like, I don't need to be this intense. I'm like, even, I remember we went to Paris because I had an opportunity to go to Paris Fashion Week. And I felt like I was, like, running down the street. And my boyfriend's like, (laughs) relax. (laughs) Like, he's like, we don't have anywhere to be, actually. Like, he's like, we don't have anywhere to be. You don't have a show until Monday. Like, just chill out. And I feel like I just need to do that, like, across the board and just chill out. Like, if I can't make something, I can't make something. Like, I also can't put that pressure on myself to feel like I need to do all these things. Mm. Um, I think comparison is a big thing that's, like, hard not to get involved in. Like, some people are like, when are you launching a line? When are you launching a blog? And I'm like, I don't know. Should I be doing all these things? And I'm like, no, I don't feel passionate about any of these things. Like, I, And that's one thing I do want to keep top of mind is just not to do things if I don't actually feel passionate about them Mm. like I can't do things for money I can't do things for cloud I can't do things for coolness like I actually have to feel something about it even when it's a story like when I get assigned a story that I just don't want to do it's very apparent I'm procrastinating I'm cleaning the house I'm watching (laughs) Netflix I'm like let me get my nails done and I'm like you have a deadline tomorrow but it's because I didn't want to do it and I think I need to be more vocal about the things that I don't want to do. And also right. more vocal about the things that I do want to do. So I need to share with people, like, these are the type of projects I want, or these are the things I'm interested in. Um, I'm probably being less nosy. <laughs> I'm such an investigator. I'm just, I can't help myself. I can't help it either. Sometimes I'll be like, girl, what happened? What's the name? I got it. Let me look and like search and do all these things. But even about like nothing. (laughs) 
Like the other day, I was like, are Janae Aiko and Big Sean still together? And I went on like a whole research mission. I'm like, that has nothing to do with you. Like, why do you care? <laughs> then I text a friend. I was like, stop it. We can get caught in rabbit holes yeah. a lot where we just go down a rabbit hole or something. It's just like, how long did you just spend doing that? I know. And then the screen time thing is really scary. I'm that like, would I'm give like, me Apple, anxiety. Stop sending me this. I'm like, don't want to know. I don't. Yeah, that would give me anxiety because then I will feel like, damn, I'm not doing enough in my time or the it's things a billable hour yeah in, those, <laughs> in the hours that i'm doing things i'm like damn i could have been doing this 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 this. like i always think like what's on your to-do list is it all and not your to-do list just for this week just like your goals mm-hmm. have you reached it yet if not how much time did you spend that you could have put that towards even if it's an hour towards it and you're not necessarily there but it's like now you don't feel too guilty about taking a couple of hours to binge watch a show on Netflix because I definitely have my moments from catching up on series and I'm like damn I should be doing something for Fearless Kia that I know that I know that I know I need to do yeah but you also have to listen to yourself I think there's also the pressure of feeling like we must always be doing something and I don't think that's true either because it makes you know what it is like you said, that that comparison thing where you see other people and you feel like, damn, they dropping this, that. Yeah. Like, they're always, it makes you feel like, well, since they're always doing something, I should always be doing something. And maybe that's not how your body functions. Listen, my favorite quote, listen to your body. When I feel like I need to take a nap, I take a nap. If I'm just not up for something, I'm not doing it. Because why? Yeah. Because if I'm in a half acid, I just don't need to do it. Yeah. And I think also, sometimes people are willing to make the sacrifices you're not. That's true. And I think when you look at stuff, people may be sacrificing things that you're like, I couldn't say no to that, or I didn't want to do that, or I didn't feel like it, or this didn't make sense mm-hmm. for me, or it didn't feel right. And when even when you look at people who are doing more than you, or seemingly more successful from you, like they might have sacrificed something that just you weren't willing to do. Yeah. So, so what are some things that you're not willing to sacrifice just in general in your yeah. life at this point? I think time with family. Like, my parents are getting older, so mm. I think I need to definitely prioritize spending time with them. Um, sleep is one of them. A lot of people are always like, your skin is so nice. I was like, I sleep. I like to sleep. I like my seven and a half to eight hours. I'm not playing with y'all. So that's not something, because I know I also just don't function well being exhausted. Yeah. I'm good to no one. I don't know what's going on. I'm a bitch. Like... You don't want to see me on four hours of sleep. <laughs> um, and I just think, like, personal and private time. Like, I just, I don't want to give that up. Like, I definitely know, like, when it's time to work. And one of the, the hard rules I made for myself with freelance, I was like, unless it's a major deadline, I didn't really want to be working past 7 o'clock. I was mm-hmm. like, unless it's something where it's, like, it's due the next day or it's just such a big check, I can't mess it up. But it's, like, if it's just because you're in your feelings and feel like you should be doing something like you don't actually need to do it. Yeah. So that was, I tried to set like hard limits with that because the point of this also was to just have a better life balance. And it doesn't make sense if I had all day to do something and then it's like, now I'm working from seven until whatever. Right. When I should have been doing this all day, which means I procrastinated. (laughs) Damn. Janelle, you get my life. I'm sitting here like, shit, I've been doing more productive of my time but that i mean it really goes back to like listening to your body and like being more productive of your time if you know that you're 
a better worker in the mornings versus, you know, the afternoons. And you know you need to sleep till 11 and then get up and then do your daily routine but still be done by this cutoff time because you understand, like, after 7, you're no good. Yeah. You're no good to, like, your work then, like, being able to know that. And I think it's so hard to see that when you're just, like, running like, 100 mm-hmm. miles per hour on things and trying to do multiple things all at the same time. Like, it's so hard to juggle that and juggle your time and be productive and hit your deadlines. There's so many myths, too, about what a productive person looks like. Mm. You must wake up at 4. You have to be working out by 5. You should have 8 breakfasts. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, like, I feel crazy. I'm like, I should be up. And I was like, actually, I should not be up. Because if if I need eight hours of sleep, I'm not even going to do the math. It's like, I would have to be in bed so early. So if it's like, I go to bed at 1 a.m., guess what time my ass is waking up? 9 a.m. Because that's eight hours for me. So it's like, that's when my day starts. So it's like, I can't chase this ideal of, like, what a product... Like, I am productive in my own realm. Yeah. I can't compete with these people who are up at (laughs) 4.30 You know, going for eight-mile runs and making fresh whatever for their kids and, like, doing the most. I can't do that. Not yet. Like, maybe my life will shift. But for now, my day starts when I wake up. So hard. Speaking of, like, you said, like, there's people up and they're, you know, making breakfast for the kids or whatever they're doing. Do you foresee, like kids in the future marriage in the future do you foresee yourself still staying in new york are there other pursuits of happiness that you still have on your vision board for your life yeah i mean i'd love to be married and i'd love to have kids i think in terms of living situation my ideal thing would be rotational so Mm -hmm. a lot of people are very over new york i love new york because and i'll explain to the people who hate new york (laughs) New York was one of those cities that if you've lived here over a certain amount of time, like, I've been here for 10 years. I made no money 10 years ago. I don't even know how I, like, survived. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know how I did half the things I did. Now I feel like I'm in a place financially where it's like I can do, like, a few things. I'm not balling out of control. But it's like, if it was so hard then, it should be easier now. Right. So that also makes me proud because it's like if I survived those tough times, like I, New York didn't break me then, I can't let it break me now. I know. I also think we can't live on this checklist of things that we want. So Mm. sometimes I get really anxious about like, I don't own a home. And my financial planner is like, okay, Janelle. He's like, look on your Instagram. He's like, do you see all these places you've been this year? He's like, do you think you can do all that if you own a home? So he's like, you need to make a decision. Like, he's like, you're either living this life or you're not. He's like, I'm not saying that you won't get to a place where you can't do both. But you also have to decide, like, what's more important to you. And right now, like, seeing the world is a little bit more important than, like, mowing my lawn. Facts. Or just, like, shoveling snow. Or dealing with, like, a tenant who doesn't want to pay. (laughs) Like, that doesn't seem so fun to me. Um, So if I could create my ideal lifestyle, I'd love to do a little bit of time upstate. Because upstate reminds me of home. Mm. I don't know if I could go back to Minnesota. We talk about it sometimes. It's a great place to be from, but it's also very cold. But it's also not that far from New York. Like, it's like an hour and a half or two-hour flight. So it's definitely something you could hop back and forth. Um, I'd love to be with my parents living their best lives in St. Croix. Um, So that would definitely be my winter escape plan. (laughs) I'd just be down there and people can come see me. Um, And then just, like, of course, New York. But then the logistics of that, it's, like, so 
am I renting out my apartment in New York? It's like, are we buying a place in New York? Mm. St. Croix taking care of. We got to find some place upstate. But constantly one reminder is not to always worry about the how. It's more of the what. Mm. So I know what I'd like this to look like. I can't really figure out the details. So it's like yeah. maybe, I mean, eventually I will, but I'm just going to put it on the universe and just hope that things fall into place. That's very important like piece that you hit on like don't worry about the how just focus on the what i think a lot of times we talk ourselves out of the what based off of the how because it's overwhelming that seems like it's got i gotta do this 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 oh i can't do it i'm not i'm not like how am i paying three mortgages it's like not my business right now like i just know that this is what i want yeah so the the how is gonna come later but i know the what because i know that these are three places i like so how can I do it all in like one big circle mm. and just kind of like do a little a little stint in each place? I wanted to close off the episode and ask you about how do you um, define beauty and what is beautiful to you as far as yourself and as far as the world around you? It's hard. It's deep. It's <laughs> <laughs> deep. Um, how do I define beauty? I think right now I really love the individuality that people are showcasing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of sameness and that's being promoted. So I always like to see the people who kind of pop out and do their own thing, but in a true authentic manner. So you're not right. doing it because you're like, everyone looks the same. I want to look different. You're doing it because you're like, I can't relate to this and this is my true self. Um, for me, I think beauty is coming out in a newfound confidence and faith and um, kind of assurance that all the things I worked hard for will eventually reveal themselves. Mm. And I don't have to, if something is not even as corny as it sounds, if something is meant to be like, I don't have to force my way to it. Like things I've noticed when I let go, which is very difficult for me because I like control I like plans if you can't tell that um when I allow things to flow they're so much better the Mm. things I force are really tough and challenging and the universe is like well you said you wanted this like this is what you're gonna get but I think when I just let things flow I'm happily surprised on how well they kind of come together Mm. that's deep (laughs) And on that note, we're going to leave it out <laughs> on a deep note. That's real deep. But I want to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, for sharing your story, your journey, your gems, girl. Because I was sitting here like, gather me. <laughs> Please, gather me. I need to gather myself. <laughs> gather me. Because I am dealing with some of those things and just learning how to be more intentional in my time. But I hope that... Um, this story resonates with people who are listening, whether you're trying to break into the fashion and beauty industry, whether you're trying to find your own voice when it comes to like just writing yeah. and, and coming from whether you're a person of color or not, and even just understanding balancing, right? That you have these personal life goals and you have these um, professional pursuits and they both, you know, bring you happiness, but how do you kind of go with the ebbs and flows of things and being able to value connections on your way Mm because you never know how that comes to fold don't be nasty (laughs) y'all you never know how that comes to fold but then also knowing when to say yes to you and no to others um 
you know, in order to be the best version of yourself through it all. Um, and never giving up, to your point, on your dreams where, you know, it's not necessarily focusing on the how, but it's the what. Mm-hmm. And keeping that at the forefront. So, if you ain't get all those gems, I just had to <laughs> give you that right there. But, you know, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank I you. usually like to end off the episode with a quote. I love the quotes. Yes. The and quote. I love a prayer sometimes. Oh. Some people get prayers. Where's I know, my I prayer? I want to be prayed on. I do a prayer um, for Breeze episode, but I'll actually do both. So let me do oh, a quote and I then I'll do real special. So the quote that I have uh, is by John Ruskin. The highest reward for a man's toil is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. So that quote is more so that even though you're going through, you know, all of these different accomplishments and you don't necessarily celebrate, it Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're not becoming the person that you're supposed to be by it. So it's a balance, you know, fears, you got to, it takes moments, but so that's my quote. And then we got a prayer. Yes. You know, I stay with a prayer, honey. Yes, God. So this is. Just a prayer that um, I wrote, and I hope that it, it resonates and with anyone who's listening. But, Lord, give me the strength to remain positive no matter the darkness around me. Please allow me to listen to you even when I want to lead on my own. Provide me guidance, insight, and the trust to be fully and authentically myself. Can you send that to me? Yes. Because I need to say this Amen. every morning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> And with that, I'm wishing you nothing but love, light, and many a blessings. It's your girl, Fearless Kia, and we out.